Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys bring back your favorite lender, Colin Keaton, to talk all about creative financing options, all while enjoying High West Double Rye Whiskey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. Oscar Ibarra. And we are three Colorado-based realtors with Fathom Realty, and we do this podcast every week specifically to bring you, the consumer, valuable information on the Colorado real estate market and how you can best capitalize on what's going on in today's market, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also love to review bourbons every week. So we've had up to, what, 21 different bourbons 21 now? different bourbons, yep. So if you're a bourbon drinker, this podcast is not only about real estate, but it's about bourbon too. So feel free to enjoy it. We drop our uh, audio episodes every Friday and between Monday and Wednesday on YouTube, you can catch the video episode. Yep. Uh, today's topic that we're talking about is, is actually going to be pretty timely. We're going to be covering some uh, inventive financing options that you have, different ways that you creative can get. Creative financing. Yep. Creative financing. Uh, different ways that you can kind of capitalize on your loan options, right? Um, and with us today, we have, again, our in-home lender here, Colin Keenan. Hello. How Welcome doing? back, bud. Welcome Thanks back. For, you, you ready? Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, definitely ready. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. the most exciting voice in the world. Yeah. Yep. Hey guys, make sure you like, follow, subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel, Living in Denver, The Mile High Perspective. Living in Colorado. Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. Uh, like I said, episodes every week, and, and we love to have fun. So come on over. Enjoy, enjoy the time with yeah. us. And I think today, just to give you guys a structure of what we're going to be talking about, we brought Colin on because he is a, uh, a loan officer. He's local here to Colorado, uh, based technically out of the tech center, out of Denver Tech Center, yeah, right, Denver with tech New American center. Funding. I'll let him introduce himself in a minute. But to give you guys an idea, we're going to go over four main topics today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one's going to be assumable loans. <clears throat> the second one is going to be uh, bridge loans. We're also going to go over bank statement loans. And then finally, seller financing all four of which we've seen an uptick in as far as interest because of how wonky the market's been. So. And when we talk about creative financing, um, obviously there was trouble back yep. in 08 because of quote-unquote creative financing. This is not what this is. This is uh, other structures on how to purchase a home yeah. with, without the, mm-hmm. the crazy risks. Yeah. And the reason we brought there. Colin in today is because he is the, the, the lender. He is the guy that does this for a living. And we wanted to get you guys the best information straight from the source yet again. So, Colin, go ahead. Give us, give us some, uh, uh, a background on you. Uh, Where did you come from? I came from Earth. Uh, salutations. <laughs> uh, my name is Colin Keenan. I'm with New American Funding. Uh, I know some things. Um, and therefore, I decided I want to be a lender and uh, tell some people some of the things that I do know. I like cryptic. I like yeah. it. It's nice. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. Easy Lannister. Yeah. I drink and I know some things. I was going to take that route, but I decided, you know, I just know things. I drink and I lend things. <laughs> I like things. I yeah. like it. There it is. Nice. Nice. Well, guys, today during this topic, uh, we have a, honestly, a really, really fine bourbon for you. Um, this, this one, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Oscar take over and just describe what it, say what it is, what the notes are looking for, and then I'm going to come in and give you guys some history about the distillery. Oscar, you talk, I pour. Yes, so this is High West Double Rye. It's a rye whiskey. Double rye because they blend two different ryes. One is a 92, wait, 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 95% rye and 5% barley malt from MGP. It's a, a distillery... Um, there's, there's a few major uh, distillers, right, that, that you go and buy uh, 
different distilleries go and acquire barrels from MGP is one of the bigger ones. And then they also do an 80% rye, 20% malt rye from High West. So they're um, out of Park City, Utah. They're one of uh, the only, if not the only, skiing distillery, gastro distilleries, gastronomy, so they serve food. Mm -hmm. um, the notes are going to be um, rye spice, cinnamon, ginger snaps, ginger mint, or um, juniper mint, sprigs, uh, and wildflower honey. Sounds like a charcuterie board. Right. 46% yeah. ABV, alcohol nice. by volume, and 92 proof. Okay. Um, aged at least two years. So that, yeah, I, li I like, thanks for bringing up the two-year thing because, guys, don't forget that, that brown bag bourbon episode that we did, the ancient age and the benchmark were both three and a half, three years, 36 months. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested to see what, what this one's looking like. One day we'll stop years. talking about that bourbon. I, one I day, one day. Sorry. That we weren't you know, going I thought to we talked that about that. Yeah, I, thought we, <laughs> I thought that we put that in the box, locked it, and then threw away the key. Did you know, not? you got to remember where you came yeah. from. You know, your highs yeah. and your That's lows. That's the problem. I don't remember where I came from <laughs> after drinking <laughs> that bourbon. Well, and, you and, bring and, it up, it makes me want to gag a little bit. And as you guys know, one thing that we love to do, especially- lucked out on that episode. He wasn't here. Uh, one thing that we love to do with our bourbon, especially when we do find a story that's really cool, is we like to kind of just tell you a little bit about the background of it, right? Yep. So what's really cool about this one is it kind of has a uh, Breaking Bad story to it. You know, it, it's so the uh, there's a family um, and their names are the Perkins and they great breakfast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not that um, family. So they actually they actually decided to open the distillery after uh, the husband went to Kentucky and saw a distillery making bourbon. Lo and behold, he was a biochemist, mm -hmm. and so he was like, you know what? I I could do that. I know how to do that. That that seems pretty cool, um, and that actually plays into the thought of you have somebody who actually knows chemistry doing it, and now we have this for two years, only two years. So that. It'll be interesting to see what his knowledge there added into this, it only being two years. So I, man, I'm not to go back to the episode where we did Uncle Nearest, but I want to say there was another bourbon that we did, tasted, mm -hmm. that the head distiller was also a biochemical, yep. had a master, had her master's degree in mm -hmm. biochemistry. Yep. And I, th I want to say it was Uncle Nearest was, yeah. was yeah. that one. And it was, it turned out it was fantastic. Phenomenal. So. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm really excited to, to, honestly let this one sit a little bit and then take the sip on it but what's really cool about this this bourbon in particular and the Perkins is they were in 2006 when they established High West Distillery they were the first distillery distillery to open in Utah since 1870 yeah they got some tough rules out there oh, yeah mm -hmm. it's dry right and right it's hard to purchase alcohol not just the humor but yeah. the state's dry <laughs> And what's, what's really cool about it, like Oscar was saying, is it is actually the only ski-in gastro distillery in the world. So you can go and go skiing and then, like Oscar said, get some food, get some, go get some bourbon. And in that saloon, they actually have a flight of all four of their uh, distilled spirits. And so you can try all four. They opened a, they currently recently opened a, a ranch a bigger, a, big, a bigger facility, yeah. and they're the only dude ranch distillery too. In, That's cool. is that in Utah, in Utah also? Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna in have Park to City, drive right? out. Uh, outside of Park City. Just outside of Park City? The dude Dude's ranch is out there. Ranch. So you can go <laughs> visit them, do the dude ranch, or just go. Have you guys been to Park City before? I've, no. Dude, I've, it I've is, only been to Utah at Lake Powell. That's it. It is so beautiful. Like It is a very, very, very cool city nice. to go through. It's, it reminds, it's like a Rocky Mountain town, Yeah. but because the 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 elevation gain difference between mm. where the town is and where the mountains are, it looks even more impressive. 
Okay. Uh, it's yeah, So it's, it's almost like that shot of Sweden that you see where it's like the little town yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, exactly. mountains yes, behind yeah. it. Yeah. The closest okay. I can come th- that I can think of is like Telluride. Okay. okay. Has there been a Telluride? It's very, very similar, but yeah, beautiful drive in. Um, yeah, Utah's a cool state. It's Very beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Well, and with you can't in, drink there, so this podcast would be terrible. But <laughs> another cool thing about the bourbon is they, like you I said, they started. Here, let us know. They started in 2006, and within about a decade, I think it was 2016. Yeah, in a decade, starting in 2006, they were awarded um, Distiller of the Year by Whiskey Advocate magazine. So. Took them only ten years to get that distinction, and that between the biochemistry, the the actual notes that it's saying, and the fact that they accomplished mm-hmm. that so fast, I'm really excited to try this. Biochemistry. You got to shout out to all the chemists out there. Yeah. My my, my wife's grandfather was um, a chemical engineer. Nice. And when he passed away, it's uh, it read, um, chemical engineers don't die; they just fail to react. That's awesome. That's a good one. I was like, that's the way to go. That's a really good one. So I have watched a movie once or twice, and I'm really banking on getting super strength after this. uh, Yeah, right. Off some yeah biochemical, (laughs) maybe design. Colin's Colin's thinking about the Hulk over here with gamma radiation. Yeah, I just want to be stronger. (laughs) That's it. I want my hip to feel better. Gosh, (laughs) why does it hurt all the time? (laughs) Welcome to getting older, everybody. Says the two youngest guys. Yeah, the I was say. Hey, they're I, still in their twenties. Hey, man, I like it. I've said it in the past. I was overweight. I was a catcher in baseball. My knees, my knees are going, man. Yeah. I turned thirty yeah, this tough. year. I played baseball my whole life. I was third base. I, I tried it once. I was like, uh-uh, my knees are snapping. I, I don't know. I, they're they're making certain That's noises when I get out of bed and stuff. Really, now. what Charlie's weird. trying to say is the two youngest guys just work harder than. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, All right. <laughs> Dude, let's not get into that. My generation back breaking. Hey, get up right now and do a jumping jack. Just Uh, one. Actually, this is hard by itself. That's what I thought. (laughs) All right, so it's been open, sitting open for a little bit now. I'm going to go ahead and take take those first sips, see if those notes are true. I mean, especially just on the nose when you're you're taking, when you're smelling it, it you definitely get that cinnamon. A lot more of the floral than cinnamon for sure. Hmm. Yep. Damn, Daniel. That's good. <clears throat> the burn lingers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste what I would expect a rye to taste like. Sweeter than mm-hmm. a double rye. Right. Well, and yeah. it's, it, the honey notes are very predominant yes. for being a rye. Yeah. Ryes are spicy, right? See, and again, already within the first sip, we're already seeing why the biochemistry makes right. a difference. Because if you think about it, the rye, as we always say, is dry, right? Is, is a little bit more less palatable because mm-hmm. of how dry it is. Now you just add that natural honey in, and the sugar's going to complement it. That, yeah. Yeah. Honey, yeah that's the, awesome. The Chattanooga chew when you're uh, Yeah. You know, I do see that because I think you, uh, Oscar, Ooh. you said that one of the first the things they mentioned like is you have to try it in an old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. 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 And it, it, the description says it, yeah. it blends well. And yeah. some of my favorite old-fashions are done with rice. Well, and it's, I, Yeah. It's just I expected it to be drier. Yeah. Uh, well, 100%. It, it's definitely, I think... What you're talking about with the with the heat lingering, I think that's definitely the dry of the rye mm-hmm. hanging on. But that front end is so sweet with the honey and the cinnamon, but then you definitely get the botanical at the back end. And if, if you've ever had like sweet tea or mm-hmm. any kind, you know, like a Lipton tea, that you, stuff like that, that's kind of the flavor and, and the, the progression of the taste that I get. Yep. Well, and, and because it's juniper, it kind of lends itself kind of like a, a sweet gin. Mm-hmm. If you ever had a gin and tonic, mm-hmm. it's like really sweet. That's a really good tonic point. tonic is sweeter and the gin is as well yep. yeah so it's kind of a gin and tonic 
blend in there. Yeah, absolutely. Colin, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm a big fan, and <clears throat> I am very uncultured, so uh, <laughs> I just go basically thumbs up, thumbs down, and this is getting two thumbs up for me. Okay. Uh, for the double ride, double thumbs? For the yeah. double ride, double thumb. Yeah, I right. like it. One thumb per ride. Try That's to keep awesome. It on, you know, That's what I like part. about Colin. He pre-grains it with it. Coors Light. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Damn <laughs> That's good right. stuff. That's good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and get in get into the topic for today, guys. Um, Colin, thank you so much for coming to join us yeah, and, and giving us this calling. insider information. Because in all honesty, with all the headlines that we're seeing, all the mortgage rates are, are on, on demand and interest rates going up, going down. It's really good for people to know this information and have this in their back pocket. Um, so how we're going to kind of structure this out is we're just going to ask Colin to explain kind of what why and then some pros and cons. So Jameson, I'm gonna go ahead and let you take it off. Yeah. So I think the first uh, the first one we want to talk about is assumable loans, and this is an interesting one because on the surface they seem fantastic, right? Like why would you not want to assume a loan at 3.25 percent versus going and getting a new loan at what rates were today, which is 419. Six. We're at a 675 ish. Yeah. So we've actually had a bad week over mm-hmm. the last week. We've yeah. we've gone compared up, to the last three compared yeah. to the last three weeks. So. Um, on the surface, it seemed great. I think there's pros and cons. Colin's going to go through uh, a couple of things that we'll ask as far as what qualifies as a sumo loan, so on and so forth. But if you guys watched uh, our episode around VA loans, it's a cool tie-in because VA loans can be something that is assumable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Colin, first off, kind of give us, like, what is an assumable loan in the most plain terms for anybody out there? An assumable loan is a loan that somebody already has on a property that you would be going and taking over their existing loan and putting it into your name and taking them off the uh, financing. So and by doing that, what rate do they get? <clears throat> whatever the rate is. So you're taking over all the terms, um, where it's left at, however many years it's still um, termed, and you are you are literally assuming the existing loan on the property. Which so this is probably one of the loans that you have to be in sync with the realtor mm-hmm. yeah. because you're, you're assuming mm-hmm. say the purchase price is 700,000 and they owe four. So you're assuming just the four. So mm-hmm. the, the client has to come in with the remaining balance right? A, yeah. as a down payment. Correct. So it all has to make sense and you have to structure it realtor and lender. Yeah, no. And that's a huge part, like understanding, uh, having a good relationship with your realtor to understand like what you can do, how much you've got into this, um, the possibility of even looking at something like this because how an assumable loan works based off that is if the loan's at 400,000 and they're trying to sell the house at 700,000, you have to come up with that 300,000 in one of two ways. Either A, you have to bring it up with uh, funds to close or B, you have to get a second loan. And the tough part about getting a second loan is not a lot of lenders are willing to be in second position to whatever that first is. Um, so you'd have a difficult time finding somebody that would be willing to do that. That's, that's a great question. I was going to ask that. Like if, it's, if it is somebody that wants to assume, but they don't, they don't have you know, $300,000 from the sale of their house, or they don't have $300,000 to cover that, that difference, can they get a second loan? So the answer is yes, right. but it's either A, because they're in second position, they're going to probably want a higher interest rate, in which case now it's a math game, right? Yeah, if it yeah, even makes sense to do it. usually higher. Yep. Or right. B, they just they have to come up with cash and they can't do it. Right. And yeah. the, the thing is, right now, if you could find a house that has a lower interest rate <clears throat> and assume it, 
um, if you're upsizing and you have equity in your home, that's definitely something to hunt for on the real estate yep. side. Well, and, and, and a lot of agents don't promote that uh, on the listing side. Hey, we, they have a assumable loan at three and a half percent. If you have the client that has an extra 300,000 that are just going to transfer mm -hmm. equity over, that's a great opportunity. Oh yeah. Phenomenal yeah. opportunity right now yeah. because it's half the interest rate. Well, and that's what I was going to say too. And, and that's where, you know, Jameson touched on it earlier is that assumable loans are now coming up. You see the word coming up and the term coming up even more now, but that's because what we've seen in the last two years is something that's really unprecedented where rates were down at three and then they just doubled pretty much to, to like we said, 6.75. Yeah. So now it's so much more relevant because you have everybody who bought through the pandemic when these interest rates were being held, held low. And let's be honest, a lot of people bought, you know, we've talked about how it was a great time to invest, but if someone is now under on that and they need to get out, it's a great option for not only the seller, but also the buyer, because now you're cutting your interest rate down in half, basically, because you can assume what it was two years ago. Yep. So there's obviously, we talked about, you know, VA loans, FHA loans, conventional loans, jumbo loans. Uh, when we talk about assumable loans, are there certain loans that are assumable and certain loans that are not? How does that work? Yeah, so technically you can assume all four uh, popular loans. So VA, FHA, USDA, uh, and conventional. The tough part is for conventional specifically, not all lenders are willing to allow those loans to be assumed. So when someone gets a conventional loan inside of the documents, the closing documents, and just kind of how most lenders do, um, there will be uh, terms that don't allow for an assumable loan to take place. So, and that's the tough part. Very few people know whether their loan is allowed to be assumed. Um, I haven't seen any loans that I've done in my time of doing lending uh, with that ability. It is possible, but again, it's another one of those unlikely. Uh, with VA and FHA and USDA, those loans can be assumed. Um, they're government-backed loans. Right. And, yeah, and, it's and, and the possible. reason for that is the bank doesn't make the money. Right. It's all about the money, right? The mm -hmm. bank wants the higher interest rate, the current interest rate to make money on, on the money they're lending out. Well, right. the difference is you, you know, FHA and VA are government backed, right? With yeah. the mortgage backed securities versus conventional loans for the most part, those are driven by investors. Yeah. And if the investors don't think they're going to get as much of a return, they're less likely to invest in it. So if I'm understanding this correctly, by default, an FHA, a VA or a USDA loan are assumable from the jump. Correct. Versus a, conventional loan by default is unassumable unless at the point it was originated it was deemed and written in to the documents that it can be assumed at some point down the line and, yes. and this is a, a, a good thought if um if you do an fha assume an fha the current fha mortgage insurance is lower but you're assuming the old one right correct every, every term that's on that loan gets transferred right yeah, yeah it doesn't update to the new whatever, you know, 83 basis points or whatever yeah. it was. If you want that 3%, you're going to get Which is all of it. All day long, I so then, take that 3%. So then, oh. Colin, let me ask, because you said, um, you know, it's basically up to the lender on the, the loans that aren't government-backed. Is that something that, let's say somebody is purchasing a home and, they're, and they are going and getting a loan, is that something a buyer can then talk with their lender about and say, hey, I would like to discuss if I can make this assumable? Because now if, if a buyer thinks for the future... <laughs> that can make them a little bit more marketable on the market, right? So, great question. Uh, the answer is no. And the reason because 
the assumable loan is also assumed by the bank right. that it's owned by. So if Wells Fargo is has the rights or owns that loan, uh, and you're working, let's say, with me, I can't help you assuming that loan. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be through Wells Fargo's underwriting department, um, their servicing you department. You still the loan, right? No, I don't you do don't. anything. I'm completely hands off at that point. Well, uh, so could could then could they so get for Colin's with? sake, don't do assumable loans. <laughs> I'm going to do a, a good loan right now. Um, yeah, the buyer but, can't ask for a loan to be assumed at the time of originating. Like if I go to buy a house tomorrow um, and it's on a conventional, I can't ask you, hey, can you make my loan assumable? Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, right. you once it's written. It's written however it's written. And right. that's but there's, the buyer has no influence on whether or not it's going to come out. No, right. You can ask, and you can have that conversation with the seller and right. see if that was an option that was put on another loan. Right. Go do some right. research on that. Um, but no, it's not anything that a buyer can yep. control. Nice. Okay, so, so it's... And, and, and where's the document that states whether it's assumable or not? Uh, it's in your note. Right. Uh, and, and either your lender or your realtor mm -hmm. will know. It's in the closing... Yeah, it'll, it'll be in the closing it, document. It literally yep. says at the top of the document note yep. and that note's going to tell you your interest rate your terms um everything that you're paying on whether it has a prepayment penalty or not um what are your your late fees everything's on the note mm -hmm. not the deed the note nice mm -hmm. nice i mean i think honestly i think that that's great information because for me that's the first place i went i was like oh i might have an opportunity to, to ask about this yeah. right but so basically what you're saying is overall the the writer of the loan it's who decides if it's assumable or not. Right. On well, a conventional. FHA and VA, yeah. USDA, they're assumable from the get-go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's tough because, I mean, my wife and I are, have been out looking. We see people will list it and say, hey, assumable loan at 3.75%. And my first thought to myself is, well, what's the loan at? Like, how yes. much am I going to have to bring to the table to even mm -hmm. entertain this? And, yeah, it's it, through talking with the agent and having conversations and just – yeah, it's definitely not for creative finance. Yeah, it's not for everybody. But at the same time, if you fit, you know, in my head, I look at it and I say, let's say I've got a client that has the ability to put a very large down payment yeah. down. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the option is I can put 40% down on a $600,000 house and that may affect my monthly payment. Right. Right. Versus let's say I've had that same amount down and it's another $600,000 house, but it's an assumable loan at 2.875. Yeah. You're going to come out of pocket more and your monthly payment might be a little bit higher, but the overall interest that you pay on that loan over the course of the time you own that house is going to be significant, like hundreds of thousands of dollars different. Mm -hmm. So it depends, right? If you're going to buy a house and you're going to live in it for three to five years, probably not the smartest thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if it's going to be a forever home or something, you're going to be there 10, 15, 20 years down the line it's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Or, and, or if you just want the equity transferred. Yeah. You're like, I just want all my equity yep. from my current home just exactly. going to the next one, 100%, because yeah. again, they're gonna finance whatever the remaining, uh, whether they do assumable or not. If it's assumable at 2.875, oh my God, the savings is astronomical. Exactly, mm -hmm. and if you're, so if you're a buyer out there and you're looking at houses, right, and you're doing an FHA or a VA loan and you see a house, right, <clears throat> ask. Yep. Just ask. Have, have your realtor. Have your realtor ask. Hey, mm -hmm. hey can you find out? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with an FHA. I'm going to use my VA benefits. Can you ask if the current loan is an FHA or VA? We can, we can tell you. Yep. And if so, if it's FHA, VA, it's assumed. So now we just ask, hey, so what's when the... When did you buy it? When did you buy it? How much is owned out of the loan? And what's the interest rate? Mm -hmm. And then if that makes sense for you and your plan, 
ask those questions. There's a lot of agents that will not go that extra step mm-hmm. or if the communication's not there and they don't know what your current financial situation is, or they may not know, know to ask. It. Exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. know to just, ask. just something yeah. to ask while yeah. you guys are out looking. I think it's hugely yeah. important. Yeah. It can be a big advantage depending on the That's situation. That's part of my buyer's consultation. Yep. It's how much you put it down and why. Mm-hmm. If it's a large amount, hey, you know what? Assumable loans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see, and I start asking a lot of the listing agents don't like, they, they don't know. I don't yep. know. But they didn't they go over that. So, okay, next question. Is yeah, it go a, make a phone call if, if, and is find out. Is it a loan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. When they buy it. And then I'll know more or less when what the interest rate is yeah. going to be on that. So, Colin, before we move on to our next question, let me go ahead and ask you, what would you say is a pro and a con of assumable loans? Uh, a pro is you can get down into that interest rates that the we have. The magic that we'll never see ever again, yeah. ever Ever. 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 Now, listen, I still am uh, with this chemist um, that created this whiskey. We're trying to create a crystal ball. Uh, we just, we so haven't far, perfected it. So far, it has not done well. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, Again, it's we been talk tough. About the top economist is like, mm, like I no, everybody, yeah, it's, yeah. It know. is a bit difficult to predict the future. I, I literally yeah. changed my, my, my listing presentation on. A few things and one was days on market yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I on average my days on market were three to seven tops now yeah. i i think i wrote current market tends to fluctuate yeah yeah and we don't yeah. know yeah, yeah. Well, no it's true i it's could not. be on the market for a week i could be market i think on well, average so, is 35 days yeah right and now. this is a whole other conversation but just to touch on it real quick and i think the the importance of why we chose the topic today mm-hmm. is because this is a perfect example right We've talked before about how interest rates and inflation kind of follow suit. And there's a couple of, you know, gentlemen I've listened to that talk about the mind games that the Fed is playing on how to manipulate where rates are, federal fund rate and by correlation mortgage rates. Mm -hmm. Perfect example is we got actually really good inflation news on this last CPI report that came out right two Mm -hmm. weeks ago. By and large, interest rates have on mortgages have gone down in response to good inflation data, Correct. which they did for like a week. And then out of nowhere, we went from low sixes right back up to high sixes. Mm-hmm. So the reason that, and I like how Oscar brought this up that they tend to fluctuate. It's because before we could go off of cycles yeah. and say, okay, it's spring buying season. We got this much inventory, blah, 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 blah. Inflation's under control. So that's pretty stable. So we kind of have an idea of what's happening right now. We don't, we went from, and I, I don't know if you, you may not know the exact ones, but I know for a fact we were in the six two six threes, mm-hmm. 10, 15 days ago. Yeah. And yeah. now we're six seven five, yeah. 10 to 15 mm-hmm. days later. So what ends up happening is you start to see at six seven six five your your mortgage applications are here. Then all of a sudden it drops to six three for like two days, and you get a thirty percent increase. Right. Well now a bunch of buyers flood the flood the market looking for homes. We already have low inventory. So the point of this conversation is to arm you guys with just some different creative ways to think about buying a house mm-hmm. because you're going to have to, for the foreseeable future, make faster decisions. And you might come up on a scenario where you have to cross a path and there's no way to do that. And what's one way that you can cross a path with no passage, Oscar? Depends. Are we playing Oregon Bridges. Trail? Bridges. Bridges. You can Bridge ford the river. Loans, which bridge loans are a bit different. It's, um, it's more for the real estate side to make sure that you're able to secure the home without having to sell your home. But before we forget on, on the, on the interest side, talk to your lender about also, because you said everybody's, we're at the low sixes, everybody goes and they apply for a loan, but 
what they don't know is that you're not going to get that rate right off the bat because if you haven't found a home yet or secured a home, you're not going to get that rate because you're, you need to lock your rate. So talk to your lender about locking your rate. What does that look like? Can you do a TBD? Can you not? Um, talk to your lender about locking your rate because if it's a six and a quarter now, by the time you find a house, it might be seven again. All right. I'm going to give Colin a quick free plug because we just did this with a client less than a week ago. To Oscar's point, talk to me about what a rate float down is real quick. Tell the people. Yeah, I'll tell the people. Uh, so a rate float down is Power to people. when you are locked in a rate and you have the ability to move that rate down or higher if you really want to. Uh, don't suggest doing it. Float down, not up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, try, try to float down. Try to float down. Uh, it's to not be able to it's float down and get whatever the current market's at. So... Jameson's right. We did have a recent scenario to where uh, my company at New American Funding, we offered that float down and we had locked um, our client at a, I can't, I can't tell you the actual numbers. We locked our client at a high six uh, and then right before we closed, about a week before, we were able to get them into the low six. We saved half a percent. I think it was, we went rate. six, seven, five to half six, two, five. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we went, we were, she was locked at a six seven five, brought it down to six five six two five, and what did that do to her monthly payment and closing costs? It saved her about a hundred bucks a month, um, and it saved her about two. Because not only did the rate go down, uh, we also saved money in what that rate costs. So uh, she saved about two grand in closing costs and a hundred dollars a month on her monthly payment. And what did she have to do to initiate that? Mm, nothing. nothing. She didn't have to yeah. pay money. No, she didn't, she anytime, didn't even. Anytime you know extend about stuff or anything like that with nope. with, with banks, you know it's, it's at a cost. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So that's cool. If she yeah. didn't have to pay anything. That is. Yeah. Awesome. The the reason I bring it up, what we're talking about today is being having the right team, and having people that are that are supporting you guys. But this client did not know mm-hmm. that like she's not paying attention to rates every day. That's our job, right? Mm-hmm. We floated her down for free, saved her a hundred bucks a month. Saved her $2,200 in closing costs that went back into her pocket. She had no idea until it told her. And she go, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Right? So to Oscar's point, ask your lender, right? Do you have a rate float down? And the reason that's important right now is because we are seeing rates go up, down, and sideways within days. Yeah, so, that's fast. you know, Oscar, you want to grill Colin on bridge loans? Because that'll be fun. Now, full disclosure, there, <laughs> there is a cost to getting that float down. However, I personally cover that cost so Boom. i will but again i will show that out there well, value goes to show. add well i was gonna say yeah. it goes to show again having the right people yes. we talk about it yeah. all the time so bridge loans are it assists the real estate side um obviously i take a listing and my buy, my my sellers are going to find a replacement home well now we have to play the fine dance of trying to get them under contract on their listing find their their replacement home we, we've done that for the last few years, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's not hard, but if they find the home, and if I submit an offer and, and I still have to sell their home, the seller on the replacement home is very reluctant to, to accept it mm-hmm. because now we don't know when this is going to sell. Um, the last few years, they would sell super quick. It didn't really matter. Um, the other agent would pull property and say, oh, it's on the market already. Yeah, we'll accept it. It's a great mm-hmm. property. It's priced right. Now, I think we're going to see more bridge loans or those kind of um, vessels to do loans because we don't know how long it's going to last on the market. So a bridge loan states, I'm going to use the equity of my current home um, to bridge the amount to purchase that home. Uh, bridge the gap. 
bridge the gap so I don't have to sell this one and then sell this one and then pay it off, right? Correct. So you take the, the equity out. It's like if you sold it. You take the equity amount and then you go buy this house. It bridges that, that amount. So you're not coming out of pocket with a loan to purchase that home and then still have a mortgage. You're getting a, a loan for the equity amount of your current home and the original loan. Well, it's all bundled in, right? Right. So it, all, it bundles in and bridges that gap. So then you could just turn around and sell this house. Right. Yeah. So how bridge loan works um, and full disclosure, again, I don't do bridge loans. Uh, however, I do have a cash buying option called NavCash, which I will plug later. Which uh, is better. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than a bridge loan. Well, that'll be, be a little we'll, biased, we'll talk but, about that in a second. But yeah, yeah. so go, go, through the, <clears throat> go through the process of a bridge loan, what people need to know. So doing a bridge loan is taking the equity inside of your existing house and saying, hey, listen, I have at least this to be able to put down onto the next house when my house sells. So then a loan officer will go and they'll say, cool, uh, we can get you, we can bridge the gap between the two um, so you don't have to sell your house immediately. Uh, the only catch is you have to qualify off of holding your existing mortgage, uh, the bridge loan mortgage, and the new mortgage of the house. Um, so the, the only uh, catch 22 there is you have to be able to financially be able to hold all three at the same time because your house isn't sold yet and you need time to sell your house. Now, if you can do it, it is an amazing option to be able to go buy your, your new house and be able to make offers that are non-contingent because you now have financing that allow you to do so. Um, so Colin, would you say that bridge loans are, are definitely for somebody who does have a significant amount of money and savings already when going to start looking to kind of move, moving that around so they, or at least enough income, income to cover? Income, yeah. Yep. Income's gonna be the most important part. High earners, anybody that has a high earning job that it's, Expendable, they're not mm -hmm. it, stretched out on. I guess I'll, I'll say income with low debt. Uh, I was going to say, it's more DTI than anything else, right? Correct, yeah, debt you gotta, to income. So yes. it's the combination of the two. Um, if you have a ton of debt, you have four Lamborghinis that you are financing. You uh, need to be my friend because I'm going to drive one. Oscar's always talking about Ferraris. Uh, depending on your cars. income that allow you to support that, it might be tough. Um, but it is definitely an option uh, and... A creative financing option. Now, uh, I'm going to ask a question. So on a bridge loan, right, I, I would assume that the interest rates are higher. Correct. Because it's an unrealized gain. Because to Oscar's point, you're taking the equity, right? But your equity is based on what you owe and what you're going to sell the house for. There's yeah. a chance that your house sells for less yeah. and you make less, right? right? So, and or it takes a while to sell. So it's, it's a risk. So they want, they a, want a higher return. Is that they correct? They want a higher return because also they know that that loan will be paid off when right. that first house sells. So right. It's a short-term investment okay. uh, for lenders and banks um, to be able to lend on that, saying, hey, listen, sure. we know this is going to get paid off here pretty quick, uh, hopefully, depending on when but you again, sell your house. But again, could be days on market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could be a while. So and they, days on market fluctuate. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. So what's a, what's, what's, a, what's, a, what's, a, what's a pro for bridge loan and what's a con? A pro is the ability to be able to buy a house non-contingent okay. if you can um, hold all three okay. yeah, and qualify for all three. And what is the con kind of the, the opposite? Of you gotta, the con is you have to qualify for all three. So yeah. I, out, of curi out of curiosity, and I, I have no idea, is there a different option there, that people could potentially use that maybe 
you and your company offer? Yeah. And if so, can you kind of go through what that looks like? Yeah. So it's called NAF Cash. Um, NAF Cash. Yeah. We, uh, New American Funding. Cash. Uh, acronym. <laughs> Thank you. It's like the Best Buy days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Acronyms on acronyms. On acronyms. On acronyms. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, especially when you get into this market and uh, job. But <clears throat> NAF Cash allows you to be able to Go and buy your new home with cash, uh, be able to go non-contingent, um, and make your offer a lot sweeter. Uh, the other reason is because not only are you buying it with cash, but you also have a backing of a lender that's certified everything uh, to say that not only is this cash, but it's also been fully underwritten um, and approved. <clears throat> the big thing with cash is, NAF cash is, we work with your agent on the sale of your home to provide a net sheet to show kind of like, hey, what's best case scenario, worst case scenario? Uh, so that way we can try to avoid any bad scenarios or unseen scenarios. And then you don't have to qualify based off of your old mortgage. Uh, you only have to qualify based off of your new mortgage and then assets to be able to, let's say your old house did not sell uh, as fast as you thought it I was, was. Say, what's the buffer? <clears throat> there's a rent back and we need to show a certain amount of assets to be able to hold, uh, or not be able to hold that, but be able to afford that. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't hit your qualification as far as like being able to hold all three mortgages. Um, cause there's really only going to be the one that's going to be the future one. Uh, but it allows us to move a lot quicker. Um, and again, Buy a house with cash. Two questions. One, what is that? When does that rent back start? And two, well, I'll let you answer that one. When does when when does the rent start back? Uh, rent back starts the day you move into the home. So the day the house closes and you move into the home, the rent back is initiated. Okay. Um, so there's a buffer. You could sell your house before then, and not have to deal with it. You could sell your, and it's based off of a monthly. So, and the number varies based off the purchase price, but let's say you, you get hit with the full month and you close your house uh, in half that time. Well, then we'll prorate that amount and give that back to you. Um, Is but, it a standard 30-day close that you guys assume? Yeah, yeah. Standard. Okay. We can move quick. Well, I was um, going to say with the cash, can, yeah. you, can you close that cash? Right. Can you do it out in two weeks? Yeah, we can close it extremely fast. Now, if we close extremely fast... Just know your house is still sitting on the market, depending on how fast it is. But if we need to move that as a uh, selling point, yeah, we can move very quick. And just to just to go ahead and clarify um, what Colin's talking about when you when you talk here about contingent, what he's talking about is with you know when we're talking about a bridge loan. Basically, a lot of the sale is dependent on the fact that you're going to sell your house. Mm -hmm. What Colin's offering with NAFCash is saying, hey, we're going to get rid of that thought for you. So the, the seller doesn't get scared of that time frame that is coming between you buying and you selling your house and then waiting for that money. Right. So NAF cash is basically you guys coming in and saying, hey, we're going to help you out to give you that peace of mind. Right. right? It's not even help out. It goes, it goes beyond that. The lender buys the house yeah. cash. Mm -hmm. yeah, we, right. We so I pick a house. Out. So walk me through that process. So let's say I'm a buyer. I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. Okay. I rephrase. I've done it once since I have a house to sell. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it's a townhome. I got to sell it. I'm going to buy it in my next house. I don't want to be contingent. So just in simplest terms, what does that process look like 
from, because a lot of people are going to watch this and go, what do you mean the lender's buying the house and they rent it back? Like, what does that look like? What does it mean? Like, do you guys buy it cash? Do I have to give you the money? What is, what is the process? We work with a bank that funds the loan, the cash towards the seller, um, that will literally go buy that house with cash. Now, you have to go through a full qualification process, uh, and we send it through underwriting before you are qualified to do it. So we make this about as bulletproof as possible to be able to move, move forward and be able to buy your house cash. Um, but it, you apply, uh, you say, hey, listen, this is an option. I want to go non-contingent because maybe the market's heating up a little bit, which it, it is. is. Mm -hmm. um, and you say, okay, cool. The other thing is you're not subject to any other rates, any other bank rates. You're subject to exactly what we offer your standard person. Um, and then once it's fully underwritten, we have the net sheet from your uh, real, estate agent, uh, real estate agent on the sale of your home, and we know exactly what that is. We submit all that, we get an approval, and then we can go, okay, cool. We can now start making offers of the cash uh, and close very quick. And I know there's a there's a real estate side like for how like writing an offer because technically you have to write two offers right correct which I don't I'm not going to go into that but at the end of the day from a buyer standpoint my agent's going to offer cash at whatever that price point is okay yeah so my question now is this you said the market's heating up so what if I want to offer over list yeah so it's going to be part of your qualification it's going so to I be just saying, have to afford whatever that number is correct yeah and it's all a number it's all moving scales if you want to do an appraisal gap we can do an appraisal gap as long yeah. as you have the assets for it right yeah mm -hmm. so let's say we get accepted mm -hmm. okay let's say we do an appraisal gap worst case scenario we have the assets for it because i'm assuming as a buyer i have to then cover that gap just like normal right right and then now i move into the house i close in Still yeah good, right yep yep i close yep. in 21 days let's say now i sell my townhome now I use those net proceeds based off of that net sheet to pay towards the cash offer that was used on the new house, right? Say that again. So when, like, if I'm a buyer, yep, I'm buying a house with NAF cash. Mm -hmm. they, we offer cash. It's a five hundred thousand dollar house. We have to offer five twenty. I cover the twenty k in appraisal gap. You guys buy the house for five hundred thousand dollars. It closes in twenty one days. Whatever that looks like. In the meantime, I sell my townhome. Yeah. Okay. Those proceeds from the townhome now go to pay off that loan that you guys just used to buy that house cash. Yeah. Correct? Right. So before any of that happens, you have the total loan amount that I as a buyer have to qualify for. Correct. All right. So, and, and to piggyback on his, that 20K, do you guys front that or, do, or does the buyer or when they qualify? Uh, no, we'll front that. Now, it's part Perfect. of your qualification. Perfect. But if you say, hey, we're buying a house for 520 and it prices for 500, uh, then that's part of like, yeah, this is how the contract was written. Okay. We're given 520. No. Perfect. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's good. Yep. Yeah. That's a and great clarification on that. What's interesting about it too is we have, since the pandemic, we have a lot more people who have jumped into this gig economy, right? Where they're, where they're, making, they're making money by themselves without a standard W 2 and they have to figure out, Hey, I can't provide a lender with the standard information like I could. What's a, what's an example of a gig economy? Hey, look at me. I work on Upwork and I do video editing as freelance on the side. So what that means is I get paid from companies from individuals to edit videos and put them together, but I don't get a W2 from that. All I get to show is my earnings. So there's What if no, I'm a realtor in my first year? 
Same exact. Wait, am I double dipping? Whoa. You are because Whoa. you get paid by <laughs> multiple title companies. Yep. But it's on paper. Yep. Yep. And what ends up happening with that is, you know, on the on the basis of creative financing, people walk in and they they go to get a loan and they find out, wait, you're not a normal kind of typical. earner, a you're typical not a kind of earner. Yeah. Um, no, so wait, how you're can a hustler. I, how do I qualify? What can I do? Well, you're Sir, not. Why are you coming in with all these right. ones? <laughs> what do you have? Eight <laughs> stickers on your car. I see Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash. You look like a freaking Subaru WRX from Utah, right? But with that being said, the market and 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 you know real estate in general, they're not. Banks aren't going to stop you because right. you don't just have what's what's normal, right? And this is why we're talking about creative financing. So what we want to touch on is a bank. What's called a bank statement loan, um, and virtually. Bank statement loans are a great option for people who are freelancing, who are real estate, who own their own businesses and have to figure out what they are. So, Colin, what, what's a bank statement well, loan? And not, not only that, but someone that went from a W-2 job mm-hmm. to uh, 1099. Yeah. Now, the guidelines say you have to have a, at least one year to two years on that same uh, income stream. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. If you have great yep. credit, you've, you've done everything right, mm-hmm. bank statement loans. Yeah, so bank statement loans are to help the underserved um, and the people that just straight up need it. So what a bank statement loan is, we will take your uh, credit um, and we will take your bank statements uh, and your assets and we will be able to create a loan for you to be able to say, hey, listen, this is maybe a more risky loan. You're subject to whatever the terms are. However, rather than the option being no, waiting, uh, yep. yeah, and, or no, or waiting for a year or two to wherever your um, income starts to be able to become qualifiable, uh, we can come and create a program for you that will still get the job done um, through our bank statement loan. So it's and it's a short term, right? It's a short term game because then within that time frame. Instead of waiting two years to buy, you buy now, and then you're subject to those terms. And then two years later, when your situation is better, you refinance. Yeah, and it can be, right? And there's some people that maybe will never be able to uh, get their income uh, qualified. Uh, And that's okay because we can get them into a loan that we'll be able to. Um, It could be a short term. It could be saying, hey, listen, I'm a year away, uh, and we can get you into something now, and then... um, Hopefully the rates and we predict the rates will get better mm-hmm. uh, and you can get into a conventional or government loan or whatever you need to do. Um, but government we provide back. an option to, to be able to get you that house that you always dreamed of. On that note, Colin, something that, that would be important for, for everybody to note, right, as a bank statement loan, like we were talking about, isn't going to be backed by the government. right? No. So with that being said, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier, if something's not backed by the government, Technically, there's more liability on the bank. So how, how do interest rates look normally with a bank statement loan? Yeah. With, the, with the acronyms, with the DTI, LTV, all those, all those good things. <laughs> yeah, debt to income would B-O-B. not exist because we don't have your income. Uh, but your loan to value, we take uh, anywhere from 20% plus. Um, there's LLPAs, loan level pricing adjustments that are based off of different situations that you might be in based off credit or assets or whatever it is. Um, but it's a lot of just situational stuff of, Hey, listen, what's your, what do you have going on? Awesome. Let's talk about it. Let's try this. Um, 
New American Funding, we write loans in 48 states uh, across the country. Um, so we very work, rude to those other two states, but yeah, I'm sure. It is. And is NAFCA, is NAFCash available in all? We're an uh, NAFCash is here. available in 48 states. Yeah, I think it's 48 awesome. states. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, those two shall not What are the named. two, by the way, that aren't? Uh, they shall not be named. We Good don't enough. Have to, we'll we figure it out. You guys can't disclose talk, that? We don't talk about them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. They know, they know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you've done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... We work with a bank called Champions Bank. Um, we work directly with them to be able to do something like this um, to, again, help the are underserved. They, are, are their underwriters or your underwriters do it? Uh, their underwriters do it. Um, so do you uh, – two questions. Number one, what do interest rates kind of look like? Uh, interest rates are higher. higher. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. sevens, eights. Okay. And uh, then secondly, um, are there down payment requirements? There are down payment requirements. You're looking at 20% plus. Okay. The more you put down, the better it gets. Mm-hmm. Of course. And that's those loan, loan level price adjustments that you're talking about earlier. Correct. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So down payment and credit, right, are the two factors that are going to get you the better better rate. Right. Well, and you know what? So I look at these, right? And I think bank statement loans are not talked about enough mm-hmm. because of, A, what Charlie said, the gig economy and people that are running DoorDash and Instacart. And I, I call them, it's the hustler economy, right? Yeah. Like, that's what you, that's what you guys are doing. If you're doing that to make a living, you are a hustler. That's the hustler economy. You know what I'm saying? Fucking high five. Let's get it. Woo, let's get it. Um, and we're hustlers. <laughs> like we're real estate agents. We're lenders. That's what we do. Okay. Uh, but what I look at it, so I, I used to bartend. Charlie, mm-hmm. you, you came from a bartending background as well. I was making shit back then, three twenty-five an hour. Okay. Yep. But I mm-hmm. would sit there and I'd cut every single server. And I know any bartender watching this is like, "Fuck yeah, cut all the servers." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I would walk cut out with five, six hundred bucks in mm-hmm. cash. Right. Cash. Now, I don't want to pay taxes on that cash, mm-hmm. but they're cash tips. I only had to claim a very small amount. Mm-hmm. So if I were to go and buy a home, I could mm-hmm. make. $150,000 a year as a bartender, mm-hmm. but my taxes, my W-9s, whatever it is, is only going to show $35,000 a year plus maybe some tips because yep. I don't have to claim them. Well, if I walk in and I call Colin and I say, hey, I just want to mm-hmm. apply for an FHA, first-time homebuyer, whatever it is, Colin's going to look at me and go, yeah, cool, get the fuck out of here. Make However, an hour. this is why the bank statement loan to me is, is cool because it represents a couple of things. Number one, opportunity. Now, you, do you have to stick that money in the bank? No, totally get it. It has to be in the bank. Totally get it. Yeah. But I can stick cash in the bank. Right. I don't have to claim it on taxes unless they want to audit me, which IRS is short-staffed anyway, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> I know because I did it for- 80000 Dude, I did it for eight years. I made ninety grand no, a no, year saying, of bartending. I, I got money back every year. so behind yeah. and they added it and that's a whole that, That's what I'm saying. But my point is, yeah, yes. Ninjas. So I put all my cash from bartending. And I, was, mm-hmm. I, I had years. I was making $90,000 to $100,000 mm-hmm. a year of bartending. I only claimed thirty six. dollars I would get money back. It was- and crazy. America loves their alcohol. That's but oh, here's, here's why I like this because the whole purpose and why we do what we do is we want to help you guys mm-hmm. achieve whatever it is that you guys want to achieve. Okay. So when I look at like a bartender, I look at the Instacart drivers, I look at the freelance media producers, I look at all these different people and I go, Hey, why, why can't you get into a home? Yep. Right. The beauty of what Colin provides and new American funding or other lenders that if you guys are working with somebody, ask them about mm-hmm. from a bank statement loan standpoint, yeah, the down payment's higher, but it is a higher risk. You guys have to understand that. Yep. But the purpose is there is a possibility. There's an ability to do it. And exactly. here's the other thing, right? And we've done this multiple times. If you come to me and say, hey, 
this is what I make. This is what I do. It's not changing anytime soon, but I can't qualify. Let's look at a bank statement loan. Okay, well, I need 20% down. Totally get it. I don't have that right now. That's fine. Let's take a 16-month time frame. Mm -hmm. Let's put a plan in place, put a certain amount of money aside in a separate checking account that you open up at your bank specifically for a 20% down payment. And then in 13 months, we see where we're at. We check in with you every three to four months to make sure you guys are in the right spot. As soon as you have or we're in ear or eyesight of that 20% down, we start shopping. We start doing the pre-approval with, bank, with a bank statement loan. And now we have the ability to help you guys get into a place. So what you're saying is, is we might have to get a little Wait. creative. Financially. On top of that, what, what, is, what, is, what is the guideline on the money in the bank? Uh, it has to be sourceable incomes. The season died. The season. So what, what, what I'm yeah. talking about is that you good can't question, just go actually. drop 50k in the bank and call it good. The bank's yeah. like, where the hell does this money come well, from? Well, yes, yeah. because so it has okay. to be seasoned funds. To Oscar's is, point and to his entire persona, we're not <laughs> trying to help the drug cartel buy houses. Okay. <laughs> oh, hold on, time out. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> bank saving loans can happen if you are a cartel. <laughs> What's your income? You. I don't know. How do you quantify 20 kilos a no, week? So, I'm not sure. Oh, hold on. So, 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 so with, with we that got said, Colin sweating over here now. Seasoned funds. What? What's it? time frame on season funds uh season funds are two months as uh, long as that money's in there for more than two months you're solid yeah Call season funds listen we we you guys know through. any good laundromats <laughs> i'm just giving standard <laughs> giving standard guidelines here we look through two months worth of bank statements Hey, Charlie, can you overlay like the really fast talking disclaimer guy that you mm. hear in like radio commercials? Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. I got but yes, that. the whole point is like <laughs> the, views, the views of this podcast do not, <laughs> do not reflect we're, we're the, do the, personal, the personal uh, viewpoints of the. Yeah, we'll, we'll overlay that. The point is if you guys are, you know, part of that hustler group that is out there working your fucking asses off, but maybe you. for cash tips or maybe doing multiple jobs that isn't consistent to get where you guys want to go, we have options. Colin has options mm-hmm. to help you guys get to that, to that dream. All right, Colin. So the, the, the bartenders are one of the ones that are, dude, my, my, my keep us afloat, law, I did, I did his, his loan and his real estate. And mm-hmm. I was surprised. He was like, dude, I bring in a, a ton they, of cash. I made a stupid amount at, of money. At, the time, mm-hmm. uh, at, at that time, the bank statement loans weren't, weren't around because right. of, of, of what happened with the recession. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of banks. Stated assets, stated income. Right. And then that kind of ruined it for everything. So they were gun shy to bring those back. I say back then, banks were getting it handed to them. So yes. they yeah, were not so, willing to yes. go long. Bartenders of make tons of money. Mm-hmm. My buddy Joe Q, I mean, tons of cash, but a lot of times they can't. They, exactly. Think well, about they don't want to claim don't, don't. Yep. Well, just think about entertainment economies like Las Vegas. You have bartenders out there that are making over $100,000 a year. Las Vegas? Entertainment, <laughs> if right? You're depositing tons of dollars into your bank account, we got you. We got you. That's We're it. So, Colin, that, that literally, like me, dollar bills. Give me a like pro and a con bills. of a bank statement loan. Uh, a pro of a bank statement loan is the answers, not always no. It's how, and through bank statements, um, again, like we covered, you could be in a certain situation where you just can't prove your income. You make a bunch of money. You could tell me all day. I know it. And in the lender world, it's not what I know. It's what I can prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also true for lawsuits. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fact. In the uh, world of facts, criminal prosecution, <laughs> it's uh, not what I know. It's what I can prove. And Overlay the... A con is, yeah, you're going to need some assets for it. You're going to need some money in the bank. Um, but to get money in the bank, like. seasoning is two months. Seasoning is two right? months. So if you're that bartender... 
and you're making a shit ton of money and yeah. all that money's in your, uh, in your mattress before depositing all mm-hmm. of it at the same time, talk to a lender, say, Hey, this is what I have. Here's my plan. What's the best way to pursue this? And we will give you the answer. Yeah. And On again, top of that, talk to your realtor and your banker because I, was gonna say, I, yeah. I came from the banking world. I, 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 I bank, I, uh, I work for bank one. It's chase now. Uh, but if you do Boom. over five grand, you're going to do an LTE. Yes. And if you, if you do over 10, 10 grand, grand they got to, they got to, so they'll, yep. they'll audit your Correct. butt. They'll yes. audit your ass quick. But again, the whole purpose of this guy, watch what you're doing is we're giving you the questions to ask. Please let us know how we can help because to mm-hmm. Oscar's point, you can't just deposit 40 grand and then it doesn't because then what happens is it gets Red flagged flags. and it could be completely legitimate. Right. And we, hopefully it's completely legitimate. I don't care. <laughs> I kind of care a little bit, uh, but it could be completely legitimate. But if then the underwriters go and take a look at it and they see a deposit that's flagged, it's going to, it's going to make it difficult. Right. But if you got 50 grand, maybe you deposit $2,000 a week for the next X amount of and time. And plan, we put a plan together, whatever and that looks to like. To your point earlier, that's the plan you that's put That's the plan. Correct. And on that note, we are not certified financial advisors, but we're giving you this information you know? for you to do what, what, what you would like with Western it. Musical. Hey, you know what we are though? We are certified no bullshitters. Yeah, exactly. And we that will give you, we will give you the truth. You can go ahead and verify. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the truth from our experience and then you guys can take that information. Well with you, so, we're going to tell you the truth yep. because that's what Good. we are. I, I will love it say that I am a legally certified Yes, Colin is a legally certified licensed financial lender. advisor. I yes. talk about money. I... I know things. He drinks and he lends things. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. I like it. it. Yeah. Well, and on that note too, you know, on the note of uh, of creative financing, there's one big thing that you hear, especially if you're on social media right now. There's a lot of people talking about how real estate agents don't know about this option, or your real estate agent is stupid if he doesn't know about this option. Um, and it's something that I've used recently, Jameson. I believe you've used it recently, Oscar. You said you have. You've used it as well, and it's what's called seller financing. Um, and it's kind of on the note, and I think it, it does tie a little Call bit. It custard's last stand because it's like the last option. <laughs> yes, the last option, and, and, and it, it involves a third party that may or may not want to do. Yes, it. exactly. Um, right. So, so Colin, can you kind of give us a, a just a quick rundown of what a, what seller financing is? Seller Colin financing. Colin says, "Fuck you! I don't do seller financing. Yeah. I do my own." It does, it does not involve a lender. Yeah, it involves a seller. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seller financing has nothing to do with me. So, next question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like no, it. But, but seriously, we, I'm just we here so I won't it. get fined. <laughs> we cover it because uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't involve any lending. Right. Yeah. It, it involves lending in the sense that you still have to develop. Yes. A note. You got to talk to an attorney. Mm-hmm. Don't involve a lender. And it's the seller doing just that. The seller's going to say, hey, I'll cover you. You can't get a loan. A loan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dictate the terms. I'm going to dictate the interest rate. And, and if they're not hurting for cash or they're just mm-hmm. an investor yep. that I'll, they'll collect the money, they'll they'll set up a loan for you. So on that note, what seller financing is, is, is like Oscar said, and, and thank you again. I asked you, Colin, just because you can't do it, right? Yeah. So Colin gave yeah. you the big bird. But what, what nope. seller financing is, is it, it, it basically gives the buyer an option to go directly through the seller in order to purchase the home. So the let's seller say, becomes the bank. Exactly. Right. So let's say the seller, so as an example, right? Let's say you have a home that when the seller bought it was $900,000. But over time, it's gone up and now sitting out $1.8, million, right? As a buyer, you can approach that seller and say, hey, you have a lot of equity in this home. I would like to see if I can work with you in order to capitalize on what you have and maybe own it in the future. Right. So basically what you do is as a buyer, you go talk to the the seller, like Oscar was saying, and you work with them as your lender and they tell you 
the loan, basically, this is this is what we want to see from you for the amount. This is what we want to see for the down payment. This is what your interest rate's going to be. Now, again, be. It, it, it can be like everything in real estate, negotiable. Yes, it, but again, Correct. that's what I was getting to as well is this is, again, another note as to why having a good agent yes. on your side is important because it takes negotiation yes. taxes. It takes knowing how to talk to people and, and work something out and not... Mm-hmm. not being afraid to ask certain questions and get you to a certain yep. rate or, or anything like that, right? And seller financing is unique in the way that you're basically paying the seller over time in order to own the home at the end of it, right? That's as simple as, it can, as it's going to get. Now, as a buyer, you have a lot of power in this scenario, right? Yeah, it sounds like it sucks because the seller's coming up with a lot of financing, um, but at the end of the day, there is a lot of liability that's put on that seller with seller financing. And when we say asking questions, I mean, there's the annoying questions that, oh, mm-hmm. I'm asking all the questions. I, was like, I don't give a crap what the dang utilities are. Yep. Let's ask the important questions. I was going to save you thousands of dollars mm-hmm. or get you in the home. Yep. Yep. Seller financing, uh, bridge loans, the technical stuff that's going to mean something, mm-hmm. not annoy the seller. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the seller financing, I mean, the big thing is, right, if you take it between like what's somebody goes, well, what's the difference between seller financing and regular financing if mm-hmm. they're just acting as the bank? Well, we call it kind of a last resort yep. because it is if somebody is in a situation, wants, needs to purchase a home, but can't go through your standard loan origination, mm-hmm. can't go through bank statement loan, can't necessarily go through a bridge loan, can't use NAF cash or mm-hmm. any other cash buying or program quick. or they quick. want something quick. They don't want to go through it. Or, you know, I mean a scenario where you've got something that literally is not qualifiable, mm-hmm. right? Well, I have the money. I can prove I have the money. Let me figure this out and see if I can negotiate better terms. Yeah. A great example is your client, mm-hmm. right? He did not need a loan. Yep. I mean, this guy makes buku bucks. Mm-hmm. Going to get a bonus of like 1.5 million or something mm-hmm. like that doesn't want to go through the process of doing all these loans. I would do a short-term financing with you. Mm-hmm. I will pay you X amount of dollars a month. We'll get an attorney involved. Yep. Let's get it done out the, out the way. A month or two later, I'm going to get this bonus, and I'm going to pay it off. Exactly. It's a short-term quick thing. Mm-hmm. An attorney involved, a legal document, yes. everything that protects uh, the both seller. Parties, really. You want to protect right. both parties. There's yes. going to be risk yes. involved in. There's going to be risk involved in anything that's not uh, government backed, well, right? And not only that, but Colin, this give this is a perfect example as to why lenders are so necessary in in the process in general, right? Because not only are they providing you with the ability to buy, but as you said before, there's processes, there's security, there's things right. that you have to clear in order to qualify for that loan. So that is why even, you know, going through getting going through a lender, getting a loan, yes, it's scary to take out one of the biggest pieces of debt that you're ever going to have, but know that there are some things like seller financing where you could just be at the at the hands of the seller and you almost have no nobody backing you other than the agent than the sellers. But yeah. I mean to to requote that, I mean, scary Yes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, no, it's a privilege. Absolutely. We're one of the few countries that will allow you to finance yes. something this big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and here's, here's the, the, the way Leverage I Leverage your money. Yeah. Here's, I've here's, said it so many times dude. throughout this podcast. Leverage your finances. Financial You're, literacy. They're here for yes. a reason. Well, mm-hmm. here's, here's how I look at it, right? Like when you talk about seller financing, what we know is, again, we're in this weird market, okay? Weird market. Like, 
at 6.25 right now, which is, again, it's just insane for me to say this, but at 6.25, we have so many buyers in the market and so few houses. Mm-hmm. You can list something, and if it is turnkey ready, doesn't need updating, it's, it's gone, okay? Mm-hmm. It's gone. We saw it this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Your client, $450,000, 15 offers. It was listed at 375. We offered, we offered at 4.13. Yeah. Anyway, and that agent. four hours, it yeah. went up to 450. That agent, Chrissy Woodruff, if you're watching, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, yes. I was Shout just calling out. I know you personally. Phenomenal job in those listings. But anyway, mm-hmm. she listed three, got three under contract, all multiple offers, okay? Yep. As soon as the rates hit six, six and higher, the threshold right now from my standpoint, and Colin, I don't, you can probably pull up data from loan or mortgage applications, like 6465 is the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. If we're under 64, you start to see buyers flood the market. Yep. If you're over, six, five, you start to see them pull back. The reason seller financing and everything that we're talking about is yes, does, does some of these behoove a buyer? hundred percent. However, if interest rates continue to stay elevated, these are things that you as a seller can also use. Mm -hmm. So if you have a listing and you're like, man, I'm not getting anything done on this house. I have no action, blah, blah, blah. You can use things like, Hey, my loan's assumable to bring buyer attention. Mm -hmm. You can use loan or things saying, I'm willing to provide seller financing mm-hmm. to attract people what, to your house, what, right? Why are you giving all our secrets away? Because yeah, that's what we're here this for. Podcast exactly. And it's that's on the internet, it's, and it's, it's the it's, greatest it's, free exchange of information <laughs> the world has ever seen. We're, that's we're, right. we're giving you the tools. Mm-hmm. To I'm giving away the secrets, bro. Agent. I don't care. I rather, I I rather, we rather you use us, we, yes. but we are educating you, so you could probably educate your your. Oscar, you know what? Hey, I'll be honest. So check this shit out. Okay, I, did, I looked at the stat earlier today. Check it out. He the is last, the stat man and the walking thesaurus. The last seven days, thesaurus. we really had, is. what I say? We had 1,100 new 1100. listings. Mm-hmm. We had 1,700 pending, and we had 1,500 closed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 1,100 new listings in the last seven days. Mm-hmm. 1,700 went pending, 1,500 went closed in seven days. What does that mean? We have no fucking inventory. inventory. Okay? And on top of that, <laughs> we, we don't. Were- projecting to we go don't. under that six percent agreed it's gonna be hot yeah. this is what i'm saying though mm-hmm. by us telling you guys even on a seller standpoint some things that you can do if you need to get out of your house if you do want to move and you're afraid of interest rates whatever it is look at seller financing for example if i am a seller and i go oh man i'm at a three and a half percent and i don't want to move and upgrade to a seven percent okay i got two options i can do an assumable loan and advertise that okay and now what i'm getting is I'm getting my house sold quickly. Mm-hmm. I can probably get it potentially over asking X amount of money, whatever it is. But what about seller financing? Well, if I can float it and I can float two mortgages and I can get somebody to purchase my house at a 9%, okay, with 30% down, let's say, mm-hmm. now I can go buy my house. Yes, I'm going to be at a higher interest rate, but I'm, I'm making 9% mm-hmm. on the money that I'm loaning to somebody else. Yep. So it starts to offset that imbalance well, of moving from a three and a half percent to a six and a half percent for all our friends that are realtors you're welcome we love you <laughs> bro i'm sorry welcome. man well, i just I, i'm telling you welcome. like this and is think, why we do what we do. i think this is a good i think this is a good place colin thank you so much for for coming on man yeah. and, and giving us your insights and, and giving us all the information and, and the secrets yep and and helping everybody the on the other yep. side of the, of the camera right um but i think this is a good time to move into our one rock takeaway for today's episode okay so uh i'm gonna go ahead and have oscar start it off this time oh wow <laughs> wow dropping it on you um, I'm gonna go ahead and go with the solid four. What? No, one rock one takeaway. Rock takeaway. Oh, Summary. Um, I'm still going with the four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. The chemical stuff in this is great. One rock takeaway. Um, ask questions. Uh, we've armed you with a ton of information. 
not just your lender, your realtor. I mean, there's, there's realtors, uh, real estate's not just black and white. Everything's negotiable. There, if, again, if there's a will, there's a way. Know the people that you're working with. Know that they're knowledgeable. I know it's redundant. Knowledge is power. Ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That's what this podcast is about. Ask the questions and have competent people on your side, whether it's real estate or the lending. They're the biggest ones. The mm-hmm. rest, whatever. But arm yourself. Ask the questions. There's going to be a way. And if, if a realtor is just black and white, you might want to have <clears throat> You might want to find a better one. And if your lender is just black and white, you might want to find an, another one. And with that said, I was a lender prior to being a real estate agent. There's mortgage brokers and mortgage bankers. The brokers have way more options. Don't be afraid of them. This man has a cash. You have the ability to go to cash with his bank. That is huge. Huge. The big banks can't do that. He can't. Mm-hmm. Oh. Jameson? Uh, man, I'm going to piggyback off Oscar because I guess my, my biggest rock takeaway is if you have enough information or ammo, you can figure out your scenario to, no matter where the market's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, a perfect example is NAFCASH. Used to be buyer's accept. Used right? to be. Yeah. We talked about it a ton in September, October. Then the market died mm-hmm. November, December, January, February, right. and it went away. Now all of a sudden the market's heating back up, and now it's turning into something that is potentially something fantastic if you want to go non-contingent on an offer, right? Yeah. The point is flexibility is key, mm-hmm. but the only way that you can be flexible is if you have the knowledge and the resources to be flexible in the first place. If you work with a lender, for example, that goes, yeah, I've got cash, conventional, or FHA, or VA. Those are the four <laughs> things I can do. If you don't fit in these four boxes, sorry, I can't help you. Wrong. You're working with the wrong person. If you have a realtor that's also telling you the same things, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I'm going to list your house, and we're just going to advertise it as it's a beautiful four-bedroom with a chimney and a backyard and a dog run. Cool. That's it. They're doing you a disservice. Mm-hmm. So work with the people that have the tools and the resources available to be as beneficial and valuable to you as possible. Colin, you're up. Yeah, I would tell you that my takeaway is we are seeing the market heat up um, and the number one reason is because of creative financing. Knowledge is power. Uh, We're seeing a lot of people be creative of how they're gonna buy houses, what their strategy is, um, and that's a big, a big shout out to the combination between the lender and the agent relationship of understanding like all the possibilities that are at play and how they can get a deal done and how they can structure anything and ask for what they need. Um, whether it be buy downs, whether it be bank statement loans, whether it be uh, cash, whether it be like, there's just so many options and I, me and everybody sitting around here, we relentlessly try to figure out how to get any situation to work um, and that is to just give you guys all the power to be able to do. It's our job to figure it out. Yeah, it's our job. And our, our answer, like my answer being the lender and like being the finance person, my answer is never no. It's just how and mm-hmm. when maybe. Um, and that's huge because that's something you can't Google. No, no. yeah, no. Listen. He knows what he has. He knows what he can do. Right. And we study this relentlessly, like I said. So whatever questions you have definitely please reach out like let us try to find out whatever the solution is for you um and let us do our best and we'll 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 go to the ends of the earth literally 
So, because as we found out, Colin is from Earth. Yeah. <laughs> beginning of the episode. Beginning of the podcast. <laughs> and, um, Salutations. And, and so, for, for my one rock takeaway, I agree wholeheartedly with, with everything all three of these guys have said, but I'm actually going to take it out of real estate for a second with my one rock takeaway. And <clears throat> I think the most important thing that I, that I heard throughout all of this comes down to financial literacy and comes down to, 100%. you know, guys, yes, there's creative options. Yes, there's ways to do it. But if you don't have your systems in order, if you're not organized, if you start taking out loan after loan, you're buying a car that you don't need, if you're, these things are going to hurt you, right? So start, start taking the time to learn about how your money works for you, where you can put the money, and how it works best for you. And as we've seen with the bank statement loan, as we've seen with seller financing, with, honestly with all of these, having your money in order and, and knowing where it is, how it sits, is the most mm-hmm. important thing when it comes into applying for a loan or finding out how you're going to finance your home purchase. So take it upon yourselves. Go online. I mean, shit, go on TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is. Oh, Make wait, sure wait, it's a credible said, source. I'm going to piggyback on that. Um, how to use your, your, your home and real estate to benefit you. Exactly, exactly. So just I'll have a short on that. Leverage. That. Yep, so just take the, take the time yep. and, and, and learn about it and see you know, how you can best position yourself with your own monetary income or savings, debt, whatever it is, to put yourself in the best position possible. So Colin, real quick, tell the people, how how do we get a hold of you in this amazing NAF cash offer or anything else that you qualify for? Yep, so you can go ahead and Google Colin Keenan. I'll show up, New American Funding. Uh, My phone number is 720-202-5399. My email address is Colin, C-O-L-L-I-N, dot Keenan, K-E-E-N-A-N, at acronyms incoming nafinc.com that's nafinc.com um whatever you guys need um are you I'm on tiktok bro i'm on tiktok what are you on tiktok Keenan loan zone Keenan loan zone Ooh, baby that was that was that was very bold i i will come up i'm gonna google yeah. you i hope some old ass man. i mean that's yeah. one that's one hell of a headshot i'll tell you what i looked you up it's yeah. good looking you googled like him you were the first one that came up well, he, Colin Keenan, yeah, New American Funding. Yeah. You can Google King Keenan. I will show up. Uh, that's <laughs> you Google me. My little more arrogant side. Well, and I'll, and I'll tell you what. I, we, we slammed you guys full of information on this one. So, I mean, check out the time codes on the video just, just so you can go exactly where you want to go because there yep. is a lot of valuable information on this episode. But I will tell you yeah. what. I am very excited to go ahead and sit back and move on to our Before we do that, I, I want to do one shout out. Go ahead. This one. Shut up. Uh, because I know we have a lot of real estate friends and a lot of real estate community watching this. And please subscribe and, and, and like or comment. But this cannot be possible without that man. If you need any social media stuff, Agreed. if you're an agent, talk to him. Yep. He, he doesn't Thank get the credit. Phenomenal. Uh, what we know in real estate, to say the least, by far leaps and bounds. He knows about social media and how to Making promote me yourself. blush over here. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I was gonna say. We, we, we wouldn't <laughs> be able to reach as many people as we could without this man's expertise. Yeah, that, 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 that guy's yes. good. Yep. He's good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to review this bourbon. Honestly, it's, you already know what I'm going to give it. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, Roughly. Yeah. You can't change it. Three, less than five. All right, Two rocks. So, Wait, what? <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to our bourbon review. Um, I'll go ahead and start it off on this one. I, where I, where I do like the flavor. I, I, I do like, I do like this bourbon. It is a good tasting bourbon, but again, rating it against the 21 other bourbons that we've had. Oscar, I will 100% agree with you. I think I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a five. 
um, a go a little bit higher only because... So you 117% agree with Oscar. Yes, yep. yes. Um, I, I'm going to give it a five because where oh, it does complement the notes, right, where, where it does talk about what it is um, and what you're looking for, it is still a young bourbon. So and what I mean by that is the tastes aren't as subtle. They're very in your face. They're mm-hmm. very punchy. They're very hitty. So if you are used to drinking something like the Smoke Wagon, like the Angel's Envy that we had... All of, all of those are going to be a little bit more subtle, a little bit more fine, and I think it, it, they lend their hat to the aficionado where you actually have to enjoy and know bourbon in order to enjoy it, whereas this one, giving it its credit, it, it's flavorful. You're, you're, you're definitely going to enjoy it, and honestly, I, I would love to have this one on the patio on a bright, sunny mm-hmm. day. Old-fashioned Manhattan. Maybe I'm an evergreen during a like, community tour. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Just throwing yeah. it out there. 100%. Tour. 100%. Can yeah. we do a golf game? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll, um, I gave it a four. Did you, are you going to give it a four? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my four. Um, a very tasty four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Agreed. I have Agreed. very bad things to say about it. It's good. It, it, it's very flavorful. Like, mm-hmm. like Charlie said, it's in-your-face flavor. You, you do taste the honey. You mm-hmm. do taste everything in there. And for me, my wheelhouse is more... Straightforward rye, straightforward bourbon, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for the traditional old school flavorings of a rye, this is probably not your wheelhouse, but there's nothing bad I can say about this. It's two years. Mm-hmm. And with that said, it is leaps and bounds better than anything else that I've tasted that's two years. So it's a very, very you can, good, 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 good bourbon. You rye. can definitely tell that the person that made this understands it down to the chemistry. Chemistry level, 100%. 100%. So it is very good. It is good. Mm-hmm. I have, there's nothing that I can say, ah, it's tasty. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty. Non traditional, but very tasty. And I've had other bourbons. Uh, this has arrived, by the way, but I've had bourbons that are new mm-hmm. bourbons and they can't wait 10 years to put yeah. the product yep. out, so they flavor them. Yep. I've had those uh, yep. garbage. Well, this is. Good stuff. Exactly, and it's not syrupy. That, it's it, not it syrupy. does have flavor, it, it, but it, it's not syrupy. It tastes the way it's supposed to taste, mm-hmm. but the flavors are in your face. So if you're looking for tradition, maybe not. But if you're, t- you're mm-hmm. looking for something to hang out in the patio, yep. have a couple pours, hang out with the guys, mm-hmm. this is perfect. If you have the friends, price is good. If you have friends that drink bourbon and you want to be the, be the guy that shows up with a good bourbon that you don't really know too much about, this one. It's what, 37 bucks? Price point? Um, I I paid $38 plus sex. $38. All right, Jameson? Great stuff. Um, Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to go with a five. Uh, And only because, so when I taste bourbon, I like it to take me on a journey, Mm -hmm. right? And I like the, if you have a bourbon like this one that has a lot of different flavors, a lot of different profiles, I like a bourbon that is going to kind of walk me through Mm -hmm. from the the sip to you know tasting it swallowing it whatever and letting it breathe this one i feel like it's great flavor it just hits all the same time yes Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to discern well is it the juniper is it the cinnamon is it this is it that because it all hits me at the same time and then i'm left with the burn which i again i like the burn Mm because i like higher proof whiskeys um so if from a complexity standpoint again it's a younger bourbon Mm -hmm. i don't think you get the story like you do the smoke wagon we well, had last week. To right? your point, I think that I think the story is there when it hasn't been opened. Correct. When yes. it has, and as that, it breathes, yes. exactly. It just hits you harder with that, the, the, the flavor. sweet mm-hmm. and the honey and all I that. I just stuff. I feel yes. like it's it's everything all at once at the same time. Yes. But 
the everything yeah. is all very good. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like it's not like it's a bunch of yeah. bad flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. Each the same. It's a bunch of very good ones. I just, I kind of, I was hoping that it was going to kind of go through like you get the cinnamon, then it kind of dissolves into the sweet. Mm-hmm. Then you start getting this honey. Then you get the, 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 uh, you know, the spice. Then yep. you start getting the juniper, whatever it is. It's all at once. But again, 38 bucks, great bourbon. And it comes from a state that historically hates alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Utah, you did a great job. Maybe don't maybe job. don't pull me over on my way to Vegas and empty my car out of my alcohol <laughs> next time. Just throwing it out there. Utah State Jeez. Patrol. All looking right. at you. Utah's just getting All right, Mr. Major <laughs> shit. Mr. Mr. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Where'd you end up on it? Oh, that's uh, right. Your wife is from Utah. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's right. Utah's just I forgot. taking shots right across the bow. Uh, Utah, and hey, you guys, you're great. And, okay? and Utah, speaking of which, NBA Nuggets are in the playoffs. I'm just gonna go talk yeah. junk about Utah right Jazz now. Ain't. You got you got rid of Donovan Mitchell. You got rid of <laughs> yeah. How did he do Gobert. last night? I mean, geez, go Nuggets. Go ahead. Yeah, go. Sorry, nuggets. Utah. Uh, Sorry, Haley, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, real quick, and I'm doing this for the viewers, um, for the people that maybe don't know what the One Rock rating scale is. Uh, can somebody give me just a quick yeah? So rundown. we do this and we say, hey, how many rocks would you put in? this particular poor yeah, bourbon okay. because historically, right? If I'm a bourbon drinker, the less rocks, if it's a neat bourbon and I can sip it, no rocks. fantastic at zero rocks. If I got to water it down, the mm-hmm. more rocks, the more water down, the worse the bourbon is. So 10 is worse. One is bad. We have had the two for brown reference. Bag, the brown bag yes. needed, needed like, I was at 12. I'm just going to fucking throw that shit away. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was at 12. There's sure. not enough rocks yeah. in the world. I would have thrown it at somebody. I threw coke in that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you combined them and then... Screw all right, the we're not talking ice. about it. We're not talking Screw. about it. Moving on. Moving on. Screw Moving the on. rocks. I threw some coke in there. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, of course, I if knew all... you do all, that bank statement loan. I knew all of that. And that was, again, for the people that haven't been watching yet. You, and Colin. this is their first episode. Um, so I'm going to give it a three. I actually was... Thoroughly impressed. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's for a two-year. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. Uh, yeah, two-year aged uh, or two-year bourbon. If you're a beginner bourbon drinker or a yeah. rye drinker, this is your. This is your I think jam. we're on par though, because for this the most jam. part, right? Like mm-hmm. us three, mm-hmm. if you're listening, myself, Jameson, Charlie, and Oscar have tried twenty-two. <laughs> twenty-two at this point, right? Yeah. Twenty-two bourbons, yeah. and so we're we're very picky. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to have somebody who has not tried the same bourbons we have to come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Because again, I. Dude, we're bourbon snobs at this point. Yeah, we yeah. just we're forced to be bourbon snobs. So to have added. Colin come on and say, "Hey, you know what? It's a three. Mm-hmm. I I would agree with you because you haven't tasted what yep. we tasted. Yeah. So somebody listening, going, "Ah, thirty eight bucks. What do I want to spend thirty eight dollars on? That's a bottle of Jack or mm-hmm. High West? Oh, yeah, High West. No. All that's, day. I'm just saying. Yeah. That, oh, that's my day. point, dude. Not even. But a, a bottle of Jack is thirty nine bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. this yeah. is good stuff. Right? Because you can still mix this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I wouldn't because it's tasty. I would. Yeah, I would. I I agree with your patio analogy. Which, Done. if it wasn't a goddamn hurricane outside right yeah. now, I don't know if you guys can hear that. Here in Colorado. Uh, I would say let's go to a patio and drink this. But yep. yes, I agree with you 100%. Nice, yep. Colin. I, I like it. Thanks for yeah. the three, man. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. But again, you can definitely tell that somebody who understands the, the deepest level yes. of flavor and structure of it made this. Every sip, I tasted the periodic table of elements. I like mm-hmm. it. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. That should be their tagline. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yes. No See, we got to get paid Ooh, for this. High, right? high country. <laughs> Taste a taste a periodic table. Taste Fucking table. high, yeah, dude, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, on that note, guys, thank you so much for joining us on on another episode. Uh, remember, like, follow, subscribe. Uh, our episodes come out once a week, audio yep. and video. Subscribe to the Mile High Perspective. Living in Colorado. 
you can find us at, or you can contact us at resotr at themilehighperspective.com or phone number 303-578-0263. Guys, thank you so much for coming along with us. We appreciate you as always. Cheers, everyone. Like, Cheers. Subscribe, comment. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.